You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm Brian Costa. I'm Tyler Tucker. And we've got a fantastic episode in store for you. As of the time when you'll be hearing this, the NFL is officially back. So we're going to discuss everything going on with that, as well as what's going to be happening with the New England Patriots on Sunday when they'll face off against the Philadelphia Eagles and also discuss the Jack Jones situation. All charges uh, with surrounding him have been dropped, but we'll see whether there is any further litigation. And we'll discuss the Boston Red Sox and a whole lot more. We're just going to have a good overall episode. But first of all, I want to welcome back to the show. Uh, I, you know, I, a man who I've done this thing with for so many years, um, you know, from the very jump, the first episode that we've done and to have him back on now for another year is fantastic news. Tyler Tucker, thank you so much for being back on the show with me. Love to have you as always. Thank you for having me. It's always a blast on down to the wire. Absolutely, man. So, you know, you're back on campus now wrapping up your senior year. Tell me how that's kind of been just getting back on for this, for this last stretch. It definitely was a transition you know everybody gets a little lazy during summer and you know i was i was coming in and out of getting sure. out of bed at like 10 <laughs> o'clock but um no it, it's been really good so far you know classes have been super smooth and i'm just kind of re-getting used to everything on campus but it, it's been great so far yeah i mean it's been crazy for myself as well coming back as a grad student i've mentioned it on episodes before um yeah, like the, if you want to go back, like it, not all the, it's not that a ton of things have been built in our time here, but we've seen a lot of things change on campus in little ways. Like um, last year, we had like all like those Kiwi bots and whatnot roaming around campus, serving people food. Haven't seen one to this day. They got they got they got they lasted a single semester and they were hyped up like 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 uh, no one could believe and we've had now a change in the food providers. We got AVI now and it's instead of Sodexo. Shout out Ryan for helping out with that. So really appreciate what Goose is doing with that. Oh, yeah. Biggest thing, obviously, is the food, too. Yeah. I mean, it's actually edible good now. <laughs> it's, and I'll just say I'll just say this. I'm not going to say whether it's good, whether it's great. It's edible, <laughs> uh, which was it didn't seem like what should have been like the, the highest bar. But, you know, we finally got to, I think, something that you can have and not, you know, worry about your health down the line. <laughs> so I think that's something good that we could finally say, because yep. I mean, there were some times where I was just getting some food here and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be this is going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, there were some rough days and and especially when you would go on break for a bit and then come back and then eat it again. And you'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, got to re get used to that. Yeah, you'd go you, you would go home, get a couple home cooked meals for like a month and it'd be like, oh, man, this is so great. And then it was right back to it, like to start off the second semester. And it was like. I gotta like retrain my body for this. It was so bad. It was terrible. Like the food would sit X out. I mean, like I remember our freshman year, there were like some decent meals that we were able to get. Like there was like the chicken parm uh, Thursdays at first when those started off, those were pretty gas. Mm, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, over time it declined in quality and we yeah. got a little sick of it too, but no, absolutely. I, I remember chicken parm Thursdays like they were yesterday yeah and like yeah and it's so funny because I talked to kids that came in after our grade and, and they all say like oh my god chicken parm Thursdays those things freaking suck like those became like our eating out days like <laughs> and I, I was just like yeah but like freshman year people used to pack out the freaking dining hall to get that stuff done. oh there was a line it was crazy yeah 
Like I, I haven't seen any, like for a single meal thing now, like we've had like late night breakfast, which is like a thing that people do before finals. And it's like this whole thing. But for a single meal, we didn't have anything like that ever since, especially for that kind of dining hall food. No, absolutely. The, the only other it, one that was even close was chicken patty lunch. Oh, yeah. Chicken patty Tuesday. Yep. That thing went crazy. Yep. Oh, my God. I forgot about that thing. Yeah, it was chicken patty Tuesday, taco like Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a bunch of different things like that. But um, can't can't complain with what, what with what we have now, though. No, definitely a big improvement. And once again, shout out to Ryan Wildgoose. He's he's crushing it. Hell yeah. I, I posted on my, on my Instagram. He's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate what he's doing. I mean, I'm I'm still like going to the staff dining dining hall, getting some stuff there when I'm working for athletics. So uh, just glad that I can, you know, get some actual good cold cuts, get some things like that. No, for sure. Yeah. So Tyler, we got a lot to talk about in sports tonight, but first, before we do that, I just want to say, if you guys are not following down to the wire at this point, make sure you go follow us on our, on all streaming platforms. We're available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or Google podcasts. This show is also available on YouTube and you can find all of those links in our Instagram bio at down dot to the wire. We also stream live on the radio on Wednesdays and Fridays was our traditional time. We're going to have to modify that now as I'm now in grad school, but uh, you can listen to that at WJMF 88.7 HD2 Smithville Providence. So make sure you go give you go give us a listen over there. But uh, back to the show, Tyler, NFL is back tonight. Chiefs, Lions. Now, like three years ago, this would have been potentially one of the worst opening nights uh, you would have ever seen for all of the NFL. It would have just been a certified blowout on the side of Kansas City. But that has changed in the in the past couple of years with Dan Campbell and Detroit slowly finding their way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've established themselves as a tough, gritty team. You know, their lines are great, and they re-upped both their running backs. So they're really scary, and especially seeing them twice this year in the NFC North, you know, they're going to be a competitive team. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, I got to give him credit. He was cast out from the Rams um, when they decided, you know, they decided to get rid of him. They said he's not the answer here. And I mean, listen, they brought in Matthew Stafford, and it worked out amazing for them. They won a Super Bowl in that first season. And you could probably say, you know what, that needed to happen for them to get over that hump. But Jared Goff has pro has proven uh, through his time in Detroit that he is a more than serviceable quarterback and is the man to lead that operation. No, absolutely. I mean, he's been pretty much the heart and soul of that team. You know, he's grinded through some horrible years there and oh my God. he's playing so well. Yeah, I mean, he like th- there was like a whole stretch where he like d- couldn't throw a touchdown pass with them and. Uh, I remember like I think he, like his wife or something like celebrated on like a beach during like a photo shoot when she finally saw that he got like a touchdown and they got a win. And it was just like it, it was a good it was just a feel good moment. You felt good for the guy that they were finally able to get over that hump because there were some pretty bad days out there. Yeah, I mean, going from L.A. too, you know, it, it's definitely a very different experience for him. You know, he was used to winning and used to that culture. And then he goes to Detroit and, you know they're used to maybe getting one game during the season. So, but also the Stafford move, I think you're totally right. I think that absolutely had to happen for the Rams to inevitably get their Super Bowl. But I think it's a win-win for both sides because both sides ended up turning out better off for it. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, as we go into that Detroit side of things, I mean, we'll talk about the Chiefs in, in a little bit. I mean, they kind of speak for themselves, but um on the side of Detroit, like they've re-upped with a lot of great weapons as well. I mean, I know Jamison Williams is going to miss some time to start the season, but uh, they drafted Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, who was a really dynamic back. And when he was um, when he was back there with Bryce Young, so I'll be excited to see what he does. But 
Um, you know, what are some other things you're excited to see with this Detroit, uh, with this Detroit team going against, you know, the vaunted Super Bowl champions? Well, yeah, um, I got some stake in the game. I want to see how David Montgomery does because uh, he is a flex option on one of my fantasy teams. But sure, you know, I think uh, he could fit really well into that Jamal Williams type role. You know, throw him out on the goal line, get like one to two touchdowns per game. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see their run game. And then also I'm excited to see Amon Ross St. Brown again, you know, just do his thing. Um, he was really good last year and, you know, I, I, we just expect more improvement from him. Yeah. I mean, he's really stepped onto the scene in a big way. I mean, you know, potentially making his name as a wide receiver one in that offense. I mean, he's been really dynamic for them. So I'm excited to see what Jared Goff can do for that team. And, you know, hope, you know, that'd be pretty cool to see an upset on the first night of the season. I know I said that it was going to be um, a closer game, but when you're going up against Kansas city, you have to usually think that the odds are going to be in their favor. No, absolutely. So with that being said, um, you know, I know that Casey, you know, a lot of people will consider them the favorite, but they are going to potentially be missing out on Travis Kelsey tonight. Uh, he tweaked his knee in a practice earlier this week, which, uh, terrifies me because I'm a big time, uh, you know, Kelsey, um, you know, you know, player in fantasy football, not necessarily a fan of him because I think that the argument of who is, of who is better in their prime, uh, Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski is a ridiculous one. Anyone who saw Rob Gronkowski play in their prime, uh, it shouldn't even be a question in my opinion Agreed. as to who is the better tight end. But, uh, at this point with Gronk out of the league, with him no longer playing at that level, uh, he, Travis Kelsey is the coveted tight end to have in fantasy. If you have him, you have a certified lock at that position. Yeah, absolutely. So, and without that, um, you know, with him out, not out there, what uh tight end is kind of this myriad of just like, it's really just a, you know, a big void right there. It's kind of like, who are you going to put in? Who's going to be that top guy? Cause you know, Darren Waller's had his moments. You could look at Mark Andrews in Baltimore, but uh, Travis Kelsey, if you want to talk about consistency, he is the definition of it. Absolutely. So, so with him gone, like, what do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to do? Um, you know, in, in the, in the event that Kelsey doesn't play rather, what do you think, uh, Mahomes is going to have to do to be successful against this, this Detroit defense? I mean, I don't think the game plan changes. I mean, the chiefs are just so loaded with so many weapons that yeah. uh, they really can attack from wherever, obviously, you know, they're not the same team without Travis Kelsey, but. I think Mahomes will definitely be able to spread the rock wherever he needs to to you know get get the ball into his receivers' hands. Um, I, I'm excited to see Kadarius Tony. You know, I, I he's he's shown yeah. flashes of being really good, and you know, he, I don't know if he'll be the next Tyreek Hill, but he's got enough speed to really burn some defenders. So yeah, I don't even see him more as a Tyreek Hill type. I I kind of like his size more than anything else because I think he can actually get down towards the goal line and even post some people up. Yeah. He has like the broad enough shoulders to be able to, you know, be kind of a force downfield. So I think he's more of that kind of a threat. Um, but yeah, I think the Chiefs have plenty of other options. I mean, uh, you saw what they did in the Super Bowl with guys like Sky Moore and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, they were able to just be really dynamic on, you know, the run game and make things happen, even when Patrick Mahomes wasn't a hundred percent. I mean you know, for the last two games of that season and that postseason, uh, Patrick Mahomes was a shell of himself because of that rolled ankle, which was, you know, absolutely brutal. I'm, but, you know, he was still able to go out there and prove it with his arm that he can go out and win a football game. So if he's at 100% and can move around the pocket and do all those uh, crazy no-look passes, it's going to be one heck of a night for uh, – for the for the Lions. No, they, they couldn't have picked a better starting night matchup. You know, I, I think it's yeah. gonna be a real great game. Yeah. So in your opinion, if you have to pick the winner right now, if you had to pick your favorite, um, 
who do you go with? I think it's going to be close, but I mean, you got to take Kansas City tonight. That's you, fair. They got something to prove. That's fair. And I, listen, I, I like Kansas City as well in this game, but I will say if Travis Kelsey doesn't play, and I know I talked about all the all the other options they have, but because he essentially is your wide receiver one, um, just the fact that the Chiefs will have to get more creative, it, it opens up, I think, more opportunities for the Lions to sneak in there and maybe steal a game on opening night. I'm just going to say that, like, if Kelsey plays and he's ready to go and that knee is intact like they say it is, then I, I got to give it to the Chiefs. But if he is not a go or really doesn't, and he's or if he's just more of a decoy out there and the Chiefs have to kind of experiment on offense and try out different things, I'm going to actually lean with Detroit on this. Yeah, I mean... Chiefs are definitely no stranger to experimentation, but you're you're definitely right. Travis Kelsey is their number one option on that side of the ball, so we'll definitely uh, we're definitely in for a very good game tonight. Absolutely. So that's what we got for opening night on Thursday night. But Tyler, to shift over to the Sunday slate of games, uh, you know, being based in New England, you know, we're got I'm gonna have to talk about you know the New England Patriots opening up their season. They're gonna be playing in the all new retrofitted Gillette Stadium. Uh, I got a chance to go to it during the construction phase when they were working on that enormous scoreboard. And let me tell you, it is freaking huge. I went to it when it was still under construction, when uh, we had the senior ball out there. And man, it is just a gigantic freaking scoreboard. Yeah, that's incredible. It's it's ridiculous. So they're going to be playing in that uh, with, with all those new renovations. I can't wait to eventually get out to a game and see like what they did to the stadium like when it's all done. But, uh, you know, the Pats regardless of the stadium and whatever's happening out there, they still got to go out there and face the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So that's going to be their biggest challenge of all the Super Bowl runner ups probably going to have a chip on their shoulder after everything. And, you know, with some things that I'm seeing from the Patriots right now, I'm really nervous about them going into this game. Their O-line is so banged up right now. They've had to just sign guys, uh, you know, basically off waivers trade for a couple guys from like the Browns and whatnot to, make some things, you know, you know, just make, you know, roster spots available for them. And the guys they even do have, you know, some of them haven't performed that well in training camp and preseason. So that's my big fear is that maybe Mac Jones doesn't even survive the first preseason game. I've had to talk about expectations for him all throughout this year, but my big fear is if is even if he's just going to make it out. Yeah, no, for sure. And looking on the other side of things too, like the Eagles, they just got better. You yeah. know, they revamped their D line again, which didn't even think that was possible. Jalen Carter fell to them. And yeah, I mean, listen, that was a borderline. I mean, you know, I, I, the situation with him is a tragic one and everything mm -hmm. that happened with that. But the fact that they were able to land Jalen Carter is scary because yeah. if you know what he's able to do, I mean, he was a man amongst boys in that title game for um, Georgia going up against TCU. He just looked pro ready at that point in his career. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he just comes onto the scene and it's just an absolute home wrecker. Yeah, absolutely. And they re they're another team that revamped their run game. Uh, they replaced uh, Miles Sanders and Gainwell um, and they just got better too. I mean, Deandre Swift back there is scary too. He, he's, he's definitely an interesting piece for them. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be really, that's going to be really scary to see. And then, you know, you just got that wide receiver duo back of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Um, you know, that's just going to be that, like, just to add on to that, like not even the run game and the D line, but you still have those two fantastic outside weapons that the Patriots are going to have to contend against. And I mean, I like their defense. I think that they might have the ability to slow them down. Don't get me wrong, but 
that's a really tough like offense to slow down. No, especially, absolutely. Especially with what um, Jalen Hurts can do for you. Yeah, and he's under a huge new contract too, so you know he's going to be coming out fiery with something to prove. Oh, 100%. So in your opinion, I mean, do you think the Patriots even have a shot in this game? Do you Bill think, Belichick. Is, is there a path? Yeah, I mean, they'll keep it. They'll probably be able to keep it close contested, but I, I feel like they just don't have enough right now to to overtake the Eagles. I mean, that's fair. I've heard right. I've heard some rumors that it's going to be rainy in Foxborough on Sunday. And I think that does help out the Patriots with, uh, you know, with everything involved. I think that they've always been kind of a bad weather team. Uh, you look back to when they faced Buffalo, um, you know, I think it was like two years ago when, the, you know, it was rookie Mac Jones going out there. He only threw like, three total passes yeah, on the game, yeah. only completed one. They ran the ball like the majority of the game didn't even really attempt too many field goals. And they just, you know, were able to win by like, you know, like I, I think it was like maybe a three point game or something yeah. like that. It was crazy. So um, I don't think it'll be to that level. Cause Buffalo was experiencing uh, like a borderline hurricane when that happened. So I don't think we'll see anything like that, but I think that if you keep the run game with Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott in that backfield, and you pound things home and you just try to make it and you just try to hit your spots. I think that's how you get through with this team. But, you know, having Mac Jones drop back in the pocket with, you know, it, just an inferior O-line is I don't think the game plan in this one. Yeah, no, for sure. I that, That'll definitely be, you know, definitely don't I don't I wouldn't expect the Eagles to immediately just steamroll them game one. But I think it'll be competitive. Yeah, I think the I think the Pats will actually hold their own, to be honest with you. I but. I think the I think coming out of it, people are just going to say, you know, what? it was a good like it's it's one of those like losses where people are like, you know, it was a good loss. It wasn't, you know, where you get blown out, you know, like that's a respectable late. And I'm like, how many of those do we have to have? Because <laughs> we've had so many of those where, where, where it's just like, you know, that's the kind of loss where you can kind of feel good about the team coming out of it. And I'm like, oh, boy, not this again. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I think it'll be similar to the Miami Dolphins game we had a couple years ago. Um, you know, where you were doing well against them late, but a uh, late error, you know, a fumble or something like that is going to be what ends up costing you. Yeah. I could see that being the, uh, like kind of what's going to be the tail of this game. Yeah. Especially with the bad weather too. That's, that's definitely always a, a factor. Yeah. Now going into this game and the season, uh, you know, I've mentioned the Mac Jones, uh, his expectations all throughout, you know, training camp and everything with that. But for your for you, Tyler, what do you need to see out of Mac Jones for the Patriots to consider keeping him long term? Because a lot of talk is going to be happening surrounding that fifth year option, whether they should go on and just full on extend Mac Jones. And based on what we saw last season and the regression that he had, people are wondering, is he really the guy? So for you, if you think the Patriots, you know, for the Patriots to go on and make that extension of Mac Jones, what does he need to go out there and do for you? I think if he could pull off a above 500 season with this team, I think you really need to seriously consider it. So, so that's your bar. It's just above 500. It's not a playoff run. It's not a playoff victory. It's above 500. I mean, with the weapons he has currently, I know, I know they did things to get better. You know, they made some good signings. Juju's there now. I mean, it, it, I still don't think they have everything they need to be a true playoff contender, but I mean, with the, with the strength of that division right now to even go above 500 this season with the team they have, I think that would be an accomplishment. Okay. I'm going to say that they at least need to, you know, be in the running for a playoff spot. I don't think that just like being some middling team is going to be, uh, 
you know, the bar for me. I need to at least see them have that fight. And, you know, I like, I like there are some teams where it's like, oh, they're mathematically in the playoffs. And I understand that, you know, there are a couple teams that are like that. And it's just like, like the Titans last year, like they, they were in the playoff hunt and then they got smoked. Yeah. But so I'm not saying you need to see a team like that, but um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I kind of just want to see them at least be out there and competitive and, and be like, oh, you know what? Maybe they could steal a win against a good team come, you know, some crazy, you know, scenario in the playoffs. Maybe like they could be, um, they could play spoiler at some point. Yeah. So I want them to at least have that kind of fight in them and not just be beating up on the bad teams to just to stat pad their record. Yeah. Cause I think we've seen that with another team in Boston sports this year and it's been really infuriating. We'll talk about them just a little bit. Though. Yeah. So another big storyline going into this weekend, Tyler is the fact that Jack Jones, unlike Mac, uh, you know, there, there was a really, uh, there was some speculation whether this guy was even going to see the field this year because late or at some point during the off season, I forget the exact time period, but he was going through Logan airport and they caught him with two fully loaded handguns just on his person. And they, and you know, he gets, he gets arrested. Everything goes through with that. And it looked like he was going to get the book thrown at him. He was going to see some real serious jail time when this first came out. People were all, people were saying like, yeah, his NFL career might just be over. And the fact that now we look back on it, and it the news came out just recently that all you know federal charges and legal charges surrounding him have been dropped, which is absolutely yeah you can't Insane. it's a miracle <laughs> yeah I with the way that gun laws in Massachusetts work I mean listen I'm from Massachusetts and I I just know the state like them and gun laws it's not like the you know it's not like you're just like going around waving the thing around like having a good time it's very strict gun laws so. The fact that he was able to get off from this is a miracle. I cannot stress that enough. And it's a huge savior for the Patriots because, you know, just, you know, in the limited action that he had last year, he proved to be a pretty good back for this team, um, along with Marcus Jones and those other guys back there. So um, he's in a tremendous addition to your secondary. But um, I got to say, like, if you're the Patriots at this point, you have to have an eye on this guy. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, it sucks because. He is such a great talent, but, you know, this isn't the first time he's done something like this. Towards the end of the season last year, he got suspended for some kind of conduct reasons. It was never really um, said as to why he was suspended, but it was probably along the lines of maybe missing a meeting or mouthing off to a coach. And, you know, they just said, all right, we're going to sit you for the rest of the year. So, like, this isn't the first time he's been in hot water with the team or just in general. Like, he has faced consequences before, and I think there have even been some cases dating back to college with him. Uh, getting in some uh, getting in some conflicts. I think there's like a robbery charge in there, different things like that. So this guy doesn't just have like the cleanest record. But from what I found out, the reason he was able to get off of this was um, he basically just pled ignorance and said, I didn't know those were my bag. And that's all. And that's what it took. And, and, and he just because he was already in the process, I guess, of trying to become a legal gun owner in the state of Massachusetts. And because he was already in that process, and doing different things like that, they said, well, you know what, he's trying. So uh, we're just going to give him a, you know, give him a slap on the wrist here and just send him on his way. Wow. That's it, it, it's incredible. It's ridiculous. I, I'll tell you what, um, if that was my excuse, if I brought two loaded handguns into Logan, uh, I think I might be in Guantanamo. Yeah. Right <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what, officer? I just didn't know they were in there. And it's like, 
could you imagine just being the guy back there and it and it's and it's like oh you packed like the full size toothpaste or something and, and and you're getting like a full like pat down but meanwhile this guy like went in like freaking like went in like uh like, fully like, loaded yeah like he's freaking he's freaking john wick over <laughs> here and it's like it's like you're not gonna check on that guy and it's like oh but he it's like oh he uh had a pick six against green bay he last year for the patriots <laughs> yeah I, that's just what it is i mean listen if that was you or me I think we're both seeing the inside of a jail cell, Absolutely. like just pleading ignorance and being like, oh, yeah, officer, I didn't know those were in there. But I think the judge saw, oh, wait, this might this will move the Patriots line to over <laughs> seven and a half. OK, sure. I'll, I'll go with them. <laughs> like, It's crazy, man. And they, and they say that there isn't that type of a double standard with athletes and, you know, regular people, but it exists. Absolutely. A hundred percent exists like there. You can go back to so many instances of athletes you know, just blatantly breaking the law. And at this point, like, I don't even, I couldn't even believe it, but when the Jack jump, when this news first broke, I kind of just thought, yeah, this will go away in some sense. Like, like I, I just thought, yeah, they're going to drop this. And then I'm hearing sports talk people on the radio saying like, this is like a very like serious, like crime that he committed. And I was like, Oh, like this might actually not go away so easily, but then it did. It freaking went away. I was like, you got to be joking right now. Like, like you can't even like you can do that now and still get away with it like you're like it's ridiculous yeah it's definitely insane the double standard definitely exists and it's just crazy to see that but i mean good for the pats they gotta they got another dude to round out their depth and you know that they should have a competitive season i I mean i'd like to think so too i think that they're gonna be you know pretty I, i think they'll at least be in the mix but man that afc east is just an absolute buzzsaw that's the word i've been using for it because it looks just it looks insane it's gonna be a dog fight i mean not only do you have the buffalo bills who in my opinion are still this i i would still say the favorites in that division just you know with the experience that they have but now you add aaron Rodgers onto that jets team which um really just seemed like they were a quarterback away last year and now you add potentially one of the you know, you know one of the greatest of all time to that roster and you know we can see what he does and then you have, even on top of that, you have the Miami Dolphins, um, another year with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, um, and all those guys in that offense behind Tua. The only question now is just going to be keeping Tua's head on straight, like for lack of better words. Maybe of, alive. Yeah, that, that, like as long as we don't see Tua in a fetal position on a field again, <laughs> I think the Dolphins can be a pretty dangerous team down the stretch. No, but, l- sure. Let's just say that. <laughs> so that's going to be the, big, the biggest challenge for the Patriots because – I think all three of those teams, there's a potential upside to saying like, hey, you know, like we have a shot to really go out and shock some people. And the Patriots, in my opinion, just feel stagnant. That That's the problem I feel with the Patriots. And I have all these great expectations for Mac Jones. And I'm like, yeah, I want him to step up and I want him to do this this year. But I just don't know if there's enough wins on the schedule to go around for every team in that division for that to be possible. Like yeah. It just it's like you're going to drop some at some point during the season. So like. How do you like selectively win enough of your division games and all these to be really in it, but also understand that these other teams are going to be competing as well. Like you're going to have to, if you're going to be at the Patriots and want to get into this thing, you're going to actually have to consider like being able to knock some of these guys out of playoff competition with your play. Like, it's not just like you can rely on other teams to take care of business for you. You need to go out there and potentially end a team season. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to beat these other, I mean, you can call them all pretty much, playoff competitors right mm-hmm. now like they they have aspiration and if you and god forbid the, the dolphins end up getting in the jonathan taylor mix again and they you know swing that deal for him um 
you know, that, that just opens up a whole lot of other possibilities for them as well. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're right about the dolphins. I think a, a lot of the season rides on, you know, to his health. I think that that's probably the biggest question mark. And I mean, you got to watch out for the jets. They, they oh they're going to be scary, which, which feels so weird saying, because for so many years, it's just like, Oh yeah, the jets. <laughs> oh, like that team that we're guaranteed two wins against every year. Sweet. Can't wait to play them this week. Oh wait, they have Aaron Rodgers. It's now. like, what the hell are we doing now? Like, Oh my God, I can't believe that's the case. So uh, that's going to be something really interesting to look at, but Tyler overall, big picture NFL. Now I want to get your opinion. Um, you know, we talked about the Chiefs to open the show. So, like, they're going to be – of course, they'll be some favorites to go on and win the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, at, at, as long as they have Pat Mahomes under center and Andy Reid as the head coach, I think they're always going to be in contention for that thing, you know, barring any injuries. So, for you, outside of that, uh, who would you also say would be, um, you know, a favor right now to make a title push? I like the Bengals. I, I think they've just been consistent. They have good coaching, and I mean – obviously burrow has had a bit of a scare during training camp sure. but i mean their team is just so good all around mixon higgins uh jamar chase i mean they're, they're good everywhere um the defense probably you know not as good as it has been in the past but that offense is just so electric i i, I think they're gonna make some noise and then the, the jets too man like i i think this is definitely gonna be either a huge boom or a huge bust for them. But uh, you look at some of the names and some of the talent they have in their roster. I mean, they got a three headed running back monster with that. They just added Dalvin cook. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think they got a lot of scary potential sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. And I mean, I had to watch Rogers sling the rock against us for so long and he, he may be older, but he hasn't learned any less about football. So no. Yeah. So, I mean, you just mentioned like the Jets being those favorites um, to, you know, go for another veteran quarterback that left, uh, you know, his longtime team and then went to a, went to a, you know, a new market. You know, you have to obviously think about what Tom Brady did going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His first season there, he went on, won the Super Bowl. In your opinion, should that be the same expectation for Aaron Rodgers? Do you think that? you know, that is something that this Jets team can do? Or do you think that they might need another year to, to kind of gel and get together? And it's that second year that they actually make that jump. I mean, I think out the gates, I think everyone's goal there is Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think they really do have the talent. I, I think they match up with the Bills right now. I, I think, you know, they they it's a dogfight. Now, obviously, you got you to gotta factor in, you know, the Chiefs are probably going to come in looking like the well-oiled machine they always are. And, you know, would I say the Jets are better than the Chiefs right now? No, absolutely not. We haven't even seen this iteration of this team play a snap. So, um, and even the Bengals too, and seeing the Bills and the playoffs around that time is going to be tough. But I, I, I think they will be incredibly competitive and not. Yeah, I, th I think it's Super Bowl. That's the goal. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you do see this Jets team going to the Super Bowl, it'll be in a similar fashion to what we saw with Tampa Bay and Brady, where, um. If you look at how that division was when Brady first got there, um, it was the Saints division. Drew Brees and that team was just, you know, the overall dominant force. So they beat Brady and the Bucks both times in the regular season that year. And the Bucks entered as the wild card. And Brady goes into the Superdome and beats Drew Brees on his own home turf, takes him out and says, like, all right, now this is my division. And 
Um, I think that if we're going to see something, if we're gonna, if there is a Jet Super Bowl path, it'll be something similar to that. Where I think the Bills in the regular season probably jump on that team. They're young, inexperienced, which was similar to that Tampa squad with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and that defense. And you then take that into the postseason. You have get you get Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, which and a motivated Aaron Rodgers at that, not just any Aaron Rodgers. You get a motivated Aaron Rodgers, which we haven't seen in a couple of years. And I think that's where you could, you know, steal the game against Buffalo. Yeah. And I think too, just the depth at every position that the Jets have right now is just incredible. They're going to, and the Bills too. I mean, there, there was rumors going around earlier that Diggs wasn't happy again, but I mean, that's, that's typical Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I don't exactly. think he's ever happy any year. So no. we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, it just feels so weird that we're talking about the Jets again. Like, like how weird is that? Like, again, the Jets of all team, like of all teams are the ones that were like, you know, discussing as Super Bowl contenders going into this year, where uh, if you were to tell me this when I first started this podcast and when we first started doing episodes, uh, would have never imagined ever talking about that. No, I mean, they coined the butt fumble. So, oh, my God, take that into account. Exactly. So uh, that's kind of a big uh, NFL news for us. Um, You know, we you know, kind of getting, to, you know, other, other things in the season, um, you know, MVP is something I want to talk about as well. Um, I think that you have to, if you're going to think about quarterbacks and whatnot, really, uh, you know, going out there and performing this year, you have to think about Justin Herbert, who just got his new contract. And then another guy too, I think you have to look at as well as Trevor Lawrence, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, following that first, you know, just horrific year that he's had to suffer under urban Meyer. He really found his footing and looks like a really solid pro, for your opinion, uh, if there's a guy that you think can go out there and maybe stun some people and win that MVP award this year, who would that person be? Kirk Cousins. No, <laughs> no. Um, I do like T-Law a lot. I mean, he, they, what he did in the playoffs, I mean, that was incredible. And you're right, Justin Herbert just got paid. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be itching for his at some point, too. You know, it's it's really up for grabs. And I mean, the AFC is just so stacked. You know, oh, there's yeah. so many different spots. You could just so many teams you could pull one guy from that you, you could put towards that award. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a deep list. And but I, I, I like a lot of those options. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like uh, I, I think Trevor Lawrence could be really dangerous this year. Um but, you know, from and Herbert seems like the favorite right now. Everyone's like, oh, like this will be the year he finally pops. I liked it. I'd like it. I think if there's if it's going to be any year, it's going to be this year for him. Because yeah. if not, I just think it's going to be this like what we've seen from him so far. And listen, I mean, if that's what you get from the Chargers, that's you. I think you got a pretty good quarterback out of that. But I think this is the year where he needs to take that next step forward and it's like okay like this is you know this is like the capability that this kid has like it's not just like you know he's not just gonna plateau we're gonna see some real skyrocketing skyrocketing here and have him go on yeah and i think another part of that too is he needs a healthy chargers team around him too i mean yeah keenan allen needs to be on the field as great as mike williams is he's an awesome wide receiver too yeah i don't think he can keenan allen as that number one option experienced route runner veteran like he he's so incredible and then eckler too i mean if he has the same levels production he had last year i mean chargers could be a really scary team absolutely now i you you had joked about kirk cousins and i and listen i regardless of what you think about him or not, you have to, you want, like I will respect his game and you know what he's been able to do for your team, Tyler. 
but I did watch a little bit of that quarterback documentary on Netflix, got to, you know, kind of see inside the mind, uh, inside the mind of Kirk Cousins, which is kind of interesting, kind of just like, you know, seeing his award room in his house and him saying like, yeah, that's where the Lombardi trophy is going to go and everything like that. So, you know, for you, Tyler, your expectations for Kirk Cousins this season, do you think that those, do you think your Vikes actually have the chance now with Aaron Rodgers out of that division to take that step up? And yeah, I mean, I, like I did say that a little jokingly, but Kirk Cousins is absolutely a gamer. And yeah. I think if you can, you can definitely find past down to the wire clips of me just saying unholy things about Kirk Cousins. Cause it was the truth. I mean, I, I think back then he was absolutely just overpaid out the gates, but now obviously the quarterback market has kind of like matched to show that level yeah. of pay. And you know, that deal kind of makes sense now. And I've actually, I've come to really like Kirk Cousins. He's come mm-hmm. out as a true leader of this team. And I mean, quarterback definitely helped because he, I mean, the injuries he's playing through and you could just see the pain in his eyes and him wincing, holding his ribs. And he's still like, I'm out there and leads a one of the greatest or the greatest comeback in regular season history against the Colts. Yeah. So, um, you know, realistically, I, I don't think Kirk Cousins wins an MVP award. I think he could be in the running though. And I, I wouldn't count this Vikings team out. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of things. That, I mean, the NFC is pretty wide open. In my no, opinion. exactly. And I, I've seen a lot of things that like is basically calling the division for the Lions and the Bears. And I was like, well, OK, I know we lost the Giants in the first round, but we still went 13 and four last year. I mean, we had a really good season. And I mean, I think we just cut fat over this offseason. You know, I we got we got arguably better on the offensive side of the ball. We replaced Adam an aging Adam Thielen with uh, Jordan Addison, who, you know, we haven't seen him play a snap yet, but he, he's pretty good. He's a, he's a great athlete. KJ Osborne in that slot. Um, and then, you know, this is going to be the great test for Alexander Madison. You know, I, I think the Vikings will be a scary team and, you know, that's just not my bias coming out. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I kind of agree with it too, because, um, you know, when we were growing up, the dominant the conference was the uh, was the NFC like that's That was like just it was like good luck just making it out of there like yeah. with all the teams that they have. It was like if you make it through that gauntlet, like congratulations to you. But now if you look at it, it's maybe like two, three teams, like in, in, including the Vikings in that, like you have to take into, into account the Eagles, the Niners and then yourself. So, I mean, like there's a couple of the teams that can get in there, like say Dallas makes a push or whatnot. But um I, I think that they're I think the Vikings, if if they perform up to a par, they can be in that in that running for a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. And it, you know, obviously that the Super Bowl champion is probably gonna come out of the AFC this year. I mean, if any team that suffers through, you know, the Jets, Bills, Dolphins like for a whole season, you know, that it might be easier to make it through the yeah. Super Bowl. So um but I, I think regardless, they're they're gonna have a good season. And uh, Brian Flores is the new defensive coordinator. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really interested to see how that works out. Just to see a new scheme. It's definitely blitz heavy. So and we're kind of weak at cornerbacks. So that may be an issue. But I I I really think it'll be a good season regardless. Yeah. Now Kirk Cousins obviously going into this year, uh, final year of his deal, does not have an extension in place right now. Uh, in your opinion if he doesn't go out and win a Super Bowl for you this year, do you consider moving on or do you, you know, or do you lock in with him? If, if, if they get close, you know, like if, if it's the same kind of thing as last year where 
maybe not a first round exit, but you know, maybe go out in the divisional round, something like that. Um, but the, the team played well. It seems like that he was kind of, you know, really leading that offense at times, but you come up short. Do you go in a new direction or what do you think you want to do? I think the general feeling right now is that this is probably Kirk Cousins' last ride, regardless of what happens. I mean, I think really the only thing he could probably do is pull a Super Bowl out of his ass. And <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't see that out of this team this year. Um, yeah. I think, I think the Vikings right now are trying to cut fat and get younger and, and shed old talent with the exception of Harrison Smith, who's, who's been ageless. But um, I, I, I think they're going to try to find, develop a younger guy. Um, I mean, but, but Kirk is great and I'm excited to see this season out. Now, when it comes to developing a younger guy, does that, in your opinion, look like going out in the market and trying to, you know, say acquire like uh, and say maybe try to sign a younger guy, or do you think that this team goes through the draft? I th- I think they're going to try to build through the draft. I mean, uh, obviously like the Kellen Mond experiment didn't really work no. out at all. Um, but I, I think they will try to build through the draft because they really, as far as young quarterback options that aren't really locked up, I mean, who are you going to get? I really, I really don't have many names in my head. Yeah. I, I'd have to really even take a look at the uh, quarterback free agent market. I can do that actually right now. Um, free agent. Let me take a look at that. But regardless, I mean, if our options were like Kirk Cousins versus a Derek Carr, or, you know, a, a, another age veteran like that, I'm taking Kirk all day. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, I can't really find anything on on specific uh, guys right now. But yeah, so I, I, I do like the idea of you guys building through the drafts. It'll just be a conversation, though, whether um, – you know, you'd want to maybe have like a veteran guy in there while you're developing, like say like that late first round pick. Cause you guys will be in, in playoff competition barring any injury this year. So it's not like your guys, it's not like you guys would be going out there and uh, you know, being at the top of the draft or anything like that. Yeah. I don't think we're tanking for Caleb Williams. No, I exactly. think we're still going to be competitive. That's very much. I think the Cardinals pick at this point with Absolutely. what's with what they're up to. Uh, but man, that is just an absolute uh, cluster. You know what over there in Arizona? Oh, oh my, my God. God! Did you see the? Uh, it's been going around. It was this press conference with the new Cardinals uh, coach. It was I for anyone who hasn't Terrible. seen this. This is one. Of, it's probably one of the worst head coach speeches I think I've ever heard. And maybe it wasn't as bad in person. If I mean, I I made if I'm the coach right now, I might go to that media team and be like, "You made me look." like a dumbass get this off the internet like please because i think that because if you look at it it is chopped up in a way where it didn't seem like the initial speech and whatnot it seemed like they were taking bits and pieces and trying to make something so that either lends me to believe one of like two things either the cardinals media team sucks which you know based on the strength of the roster and where everything is it could just very well be the case that it's another area of that team that is just lacking yeah and they just made a big time error and they were like oh boy or they had to just make do with an, a speech that was even worse than what we saw. And, and maybe it was just so painful. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'll just kind of give like sum it up. Like they start with him saying like, oh, hey, who drove to the facility today? And then he's saying like, oh, yeah, who took the bus? And I'm like, who took the bus? These guys have signing. I think everyone has a signing bonus of like a million dollars. No one took the bus, man. Yeah. I mean, maybe someone took the bus, but. Even if even if you did like this isn't 1950 anymore, like sure, like public transportation is like fine, 
Like yeah. you can get to a stadium. I was like, okay. And like, he was trying to be like, yeah, I want effing killers. And like, I I was just like, no, you don't like, man. You, and the whole time he's just so monotone. <laughs> no inflection whatsoever. He's like, I want killers on my team. Like, it's like, really? You know? I, I was like, do you? Like, you, you seem like a PE teacher. Right now. <laughs> like, it was like, I was like, sure you do. Like, I, 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 that guy needs to take like a, like a public speaking class or something. Cause like, there was just no emotion there. And I'm like, these are the guys that like, that these are the new coaches you want to, you want to get up and lead these men. Like, I, I just don't see how like the Cardinals could have seen this guy and been like, yeah, that's the answer to Cliff Kingsbury, like leaving. Like, yeah, we, like no. we need to bring this guy in. I, I think they really just wanted to get worse. <laughs> Honestly, I think they could have just brought this guy in and it's like, yep, we're just gonna, uh, you know, tank for this year, get Caleb and uh, it's just clean house, want clean house after this year. Yeah. And it's so disappointing to just see like this kind of like downfall of Kyler Murray. Cause oh my God. he's so talented. I mean, and the other thing too is like, I'll say this about Kyler because, you know, you can talk about the controversy with him about like playing video games. And there's all the statistics about how when the newest Call of Duty comes out, his stats worse, his stats legitimately get worse, which is insane. The fact that that's just like it's so well documented, like every single year, like his quarterback percentage does drop and it's like the same amount every year. And it's like, yeah, he just doesn't watch film or something like that. But man, like a lot of the stuff that has transpired in the conversation surrounding him it sucks because it has happened just since he's been injured and it's like, he can't really go out and do anything right now. No, exactly. And if, if the Cardinals right now, if they're going to do what I think they're going to do, they're probably, he's probably not even going to suit up this season. Yeah. It, no. it's, it's likely they just rest him the entire year, look for a trade candidate in the off season and try to make something work. Yeah. I think at this point, like they're just trying to revive damaged goods and they're exactly. just going to try to keep him healthy and see what they can get for him. Yeah. They'll put out like a press release video and, and be, and be like, Kyler's back. You know? <laughs> like, like we can't wait to see him back on the field not for us but just in, but <laughs> for just someone for someone it'll cost you it'll cost you two first but uh like oh my god uh, i i like that's that's the thing that's crazy with that team but and that speech was just i I, I i needed to talk about that that thing was just so so bad bad like why do you air that no yeah i should have never gotten out oh my god it's like that was just terrible uh but tyler um, that kind of covers what I think we have in NFL news. I'm going to transition things over to MLB real quick before we end this show. And Tyler, you know, I kind of want to talk about the Boston Red Sox because in my opinion, the season's been over for this team, but it's just been the process of getting here. We're in September now. We're in the final home stretch. Um, you know, I think they're barring like the first week of October. This team will not be seeing legitimate October baseball just it's just the fact that the regular season runs into runs into October now, so every team can say, "Yeah, we're playing in October." Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not doesn't mean what it used yeah. to. So, uh, but this team, they're currently five games out of that final wild card spot right now, still behind the Texas Rangers. So, I frankly don't think they're beating out them with the way that that team's been playing this year. Um, but you know, they're even out of it now by a half a game. So, yeah. um, but for this team, just looking back on this season, um, what is your like? overall take with this team from what you you know the 2023 i mean i think they even just have a winning record i think they over exceeded expectations Mm -hmm. you know and they're in the toughest conference at baseball right now and then they're still staying alive and afloat i mean it's disappointing but there has been some bright spots i mean tristan casas is looking amazing he's playing really well and then um yoshida too you know so um I don't know. I mean, 
we need pitching, you yeah. know, but Bello has been another highlight too. He's he's looked really good and everybody's excited about Bello's start days, but I don't know. I think you're right though. I, they're not seeing any action this playoff season. No, in my opinion, it would take a miracle run for them to get into it at this point. And, uh, you know, just like down the stretch, they originally are playing uh, the, the deal with them was that they were kind of losing to inferior competition and they were playing like the real, com- the real uh, com- the competitors well. And it, w- and it was just going to be like, oh, yeah, just any day they're going to flip that switch. They'll beat those bad teams and then they're going to beat these good teams down the stretch and they'll be just fine. And then they started losing to the good teams, yeah. which at that point it was like, oh, boy, here come here. come Like the rails are about to fly off this yeah. thing. And it's just so frustrating because you look back to this trade deadline. The team was three games out. And it was like, all right, what is Heim Bloom going to do with this trade deadline? Because at the past two, it just felt like you were kind of getting robbed. In 2021, sure, we got Kyle Schwarber, but we got him on a um, pretty cheap deal because he w- he got injured with the Nationals. And it was like we got him for a steal. Honestly. Yeah, I think we traded him for like our 19th overall pitching prospect who I'm pretty sure blew out his arm with the Nationals and hasn't been heard from since. Wow. So, like, yeah, we got him for an absolute steal. Um, although it was for half a season, but you know, that was a good deal. And then the previous two trade deadlines, we did Jack squat sat on his hands, literally did nothing. And I was like, like, like last, I'd say last trade deadline was more infuriating for me because they just couldn't pick a direction. They, they wanted to buy and sell at the same time where maybe it would have made more sense to sell. And it would have been like, Hey, if you don't think this team's going anywhere, trade JD Martinez. Trade Nathan Evaldi, get them all out of here. Don't just send out Christian Vasquez and get back get back a couple of like mid tier minor leaguers who, um, you know, I will say this: uh, Willier Brayu and uh, MLL Veltas, I think, are solid comps. But I mean, if you're going to trade guys and sell teams off, then blow it up. Like yeah. sell everyone with an expiring contract, which I just couldn't understand why he did that year. And then this season, I feel like we also got put in a similar situation where, like. I get it. The team brought in um, Luis or Luis Urias at the deadline. And like, sure, he's been like a solid piece, but we got him for like absolutely nothing. Like that was complete. Like that was just a joke. And the problem with Heim Bloom, in my opinion, isn't exactly like what he gets for pieces. Like, I think that there have actually been some trades with him where he gets, you know, good, solid return. But this ownership group right now, and at least Heim in this front office, they treat these minor little deals as if it's like the big like ticket, like trades and like, like the big blockbuster deals. Like, um, like we had like a, like a press conference for re-signing Rob ref Snyder. Like I think early in the season, I was like, we're having a press conference for this. Yeah. And then you all, and then like um, following the trade deadline, it said like Heim Bloom is going to speak to the media. And instead of it saying like, Oh yeah, like Red Sox, like kind of like don't trade so and so at the deadline. It was like the Red Sox acquired Luis Urias at the deadline from the Brewers in exchange for like their in exchange for like their thirty second ranked prospect. I'm like, like, like I'm like, this is what the Red Sox have to like publicize now. Like, like deadlines ago, we were going out there and making legitimate moves. Like we got like Jake Peavy from the White Sox. Um, you know, we were making like significant deals and getting guys on this team. And now it's just like, oh yeah, we're just gonna take any little win and. When Dave Dombrowski and those guys were here, sure, he made little moves like that, but they were just kind of little footnotes at the bottom of like a news page. It was like, oh, shoot, the Red Sox acquired this pitcher. Cool. And then, you know, he was a solid little piece for you down the line. But it wasn't the overarching Chris Sale acquired by the Red Sox or Craig Kimbrell to the Red Sox. It It's it, like those, of course, were the headline deals. But like 
Heim Bloom is treating these little deals like it, like it's those. Yeah. And I mean, even like the Justin Turner deal, like, yeah, yeah. I'd consider that splash, but like, I consider that a win. Same, same thing with Adam Duvall. Yeah. But I mean, both aging, you know, so both on the older side. And, you know, there was definitely more they could get out there. Now, granted, if the grandmaster plan is get Shohei Otani under contract, <laughs> you know, I would lose my mind. Yeah. But, I, I have a very good feeling that is just not going to happen. Yeah, and especially bar and especially now with Shohei's uh, arm injury and his future kind of in doubt, I think that that plan maybe uh, has gotten scrapped. So I don't know what the what the what the plan is for them, but I don't think that I don't think that they're just like shaving payroll to pay out eventually later. I think that they are trying to just um, be a middle market team, kind of just be middle of the pack and not really spend too much because I think that they're kind of seeing like oh. We can win with this like money ball philosophy. And in my opinion, no, you can't. Like, I, I understand that there have been some smaller market teams that have gone on to win the World Series, like the Kansas City Royals. But even they, even they had to go out and they had to break a couple of rules. And they was like, all right, we'll give up some of our prospects to get Johnny Cueto on mm-hmm. the team, who at that point was a horse for um for the Reds. So that they, they, and they were like, you know what, we'll get him. And, you know, like they had to go out there and they had to make some moves and they were gifted with some great prospects, but they eventually did have to say, all right, we can't just go full money ball with this thing. In my opinion, there hasn't been a money ball team that has won the World Series. The Rays got close. They were very, very close to doing it, but um, it can win you games in the regular season. It can help you out with shaving payroll and determining, oh, you know, what fourth outfielder should we get? Should we get this guy and pay him $5 million or get this guy and pay him $2 million? And it can help you maybe determine, hey, maybe the $2 million, million player is a better deal for what we're getting here. But – when it comes to these big time names, I don't think it works. Yeah, and I think the most infuriating part about it is that the Boston Red Sox are not a money ball team. They're no. the Boston Red Sox. And if you want to use analytics to help out your team, sure, I get it if that's your philosophy. But you also have the fourth richest payroll in the entire league, and you can use it. Like You can use it any way you want. And I mean, like you, you want to look at an example of this, the Rays, uh, former GM, Andrew Friedman went to the Dodgers and everyone's like, oh, this is when the Dodgers are going to like, you know, really, you know, keep their books tight and, you know, not going to really spend too much. And what do they do? They're still the Dodgers. They're going out there. And, you know, Andrew Friedman, he's still using analytics, but he now has like the biggest wallet in the game. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to spend like it. Steal Mookie bets from you guys. hundred percent. I mean, like that. You know, talk about the weekend that he had here a couple like last week. I mean, he came in, just broke your heart with the way he performed. And it's like, oh, my God, like, what do we have left? Like, I mean, in my opinion, as a, as a Red Sox fan, I don't know what to really be excited for with this team because I like we could bring up that next Mookie Betts, which is very tough to come around, by the way. Like Mookie Betts has been on an MVP level tear out with the Dodgers this year. He's been that good. He's been that good consistently. too. Yeah. So I, even if, even let's say the Red Sox find a guy like that, are they really going to pay him? They paid Rafael Devers, I think, just because they were terrified that like, oh, if we let this guy walk, the like the fans, fans actually, will revolt. Like they would actually revolt because the original like saying uh, Bloom originally came out and said, like when he first took the job, he said of Betts, Bogarts and Devers, we're going to at least keep two of the three. And you got one of the three. Like and and the question now is, did you get the right one of the three? Yeah. Because listen, I like Devers. I like we can what he can do, but his defense has regressed this year, and the bat hasn't been all the way there. So I mean, I think that he'll be able to bounce back and be better. But 
uh, he hasn't had the greatest season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm still mad about Mookie Betts, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and Bogarts, you know, he hasn't had the greatest season either. So, you know, that's oh, exactly. And again, I, I, I will say this so many times over the Red Sox. I'm glad they didn't pay Bogarts the contract that the Padres no, did. That was insane. The problem with, with the Red Sox and the Bogarts deal was the fact that they didn't get something done sooner. By the time Bogarts got to free agency, he was gone. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, listen, I think that the Sox team, I, I, I don't know what it's going to take. I think that it's going to take some sort of a different shakeup in the offseason and, get, and getting a new face in here for, um, in my opinion, for this team to really move in a new direction. I think that the Bloom experiment has failed. I just think that you need to go in a different direction with this team going forward. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, I mean, that's where I stand with the Red Sox right now, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I've been seeing this around. It's kind of funny is that um, – you know, following the end of any like team season, whether they go on the regular season or the postseason, you'll usually see them share like, a, oh, thank you, like Red Sox Nation or thank you, Vikings Nation, like for, you know, for like a great team and a great year. Like, we love you guys. And I've been seeing like a bunch of fans on uh, Twitter and whatnot, just putting up the thank you, Red Sox Nation thing, like since like July. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's just like, yep, that's the season, boys. Like, we're, we're good. And it's just becoming like the new thing around like Red Sox Twitter. I love it. Yeah, I, I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and I, I saw um, 2023 Red Sox tickets still available and all the comments under it were just hashtag fire bloom. So. <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Uh, I, we'll have to see how that all pans out. But Tyler, I think it is time to say that we are officially now down to the wire. So we're going to wrap up what we talked about in this show and send you guys on your way. So Tyler, thank you again, man, for coming back on the show. Glad to have you back on campus, at least for this last semester. Yeah, always great. Yeah, we'll definitely try to get you on again throughout the semester and, you know, make some things work. Obviously, schedules are going to be kind of crazy, but we'll make, we'll make some things work and bounce some things around. For sure. Yeah. So uh, we talked today about the NFL opening things back up. The regular season for football has returned. So uh, get ready for that. There's going to be a whole lot of NFL coverage coming back to this show. So can't wait to talk about that. Um, we talked about the Chiefs and Lions Thursday night football opening seat opening the season. We talked about Mac Jones and the Patriots facing off against Jalen Hurts in the Eagles on Sunday, as well as Jack Jones getting his suspension dropped by all federal charges. We'll have to see again whether the league comes in and files something down. Do you think that there's probably going to be a suspension from the, from the league on this or what are you thinking? I think it's possible, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Bill Belichick said that he is active to go. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But we discussed that as well as, um, you know, other favorites for potential awards or Super Bowl contenders in the NFL. And then in the MLB, we wrap things up by talking about the Red Sox, um, you know, kind of, you know, just getting creeping their way to the finish line. I guess like that's how you could say it. Um, But it was a great show. Glad to have Tyler on. And, uh, you know, we hope you guys have really enjoyed this episode. I mentioned at the beginning of the show where you can find all this info. So uh, from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Tyler Tucker. And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Peace out. WJMF Radio.